We had such a great meeting yesterday with the men. We had a wonderful breakfast. Great breakfast. Wow. Cinnamon rolls. There's a little debate on who's got the best cinnamon rolls. Just keep bringing them. I'll be the judge. It's okay. Taylor gave an awesome word that God laid on his heart. And... Uh, just a wealth. I mean, just kind of dropped a Holy Ghost bomb on us. One of the things that I really felt like God was speaking to me when I walked away from that um, is he was reading from the about the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation and was saying, you know, you guys, you guys have done good, but there's this one thing. You've lost your first love. And he read that scripture and, 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 and did the devotion. It was wonderful. And I just kind of walked away. I really just had a sense of, of what the Lord was speaking to my heart. And I, I really just, I kind of in my mind, because the passage of scripture said this, it said, go back and do your first works or go back and do what you were doing when you were deeply in love with me. That's what Jesus said. He said, go back and do what you were doing when you were deeply in love with me. And then he said, if you don't, I'm going to take my candlestick out of the church altogether. So he's saying to us that we need to go back to that which we first loved. And we need to go back. uh, The King James says, repent and do your first works over again. Which repentance means that I'm turning back and then I'm going to do a change of mindset, and then do what I did back then. And I just began to kind of marinate and meditate on the scripture yesterday. And one of the things that I thought about was when Deanna and I was dating. I, I don't know if there's any Dukes of Hazards fans in this place, but as Roscoe Pico Train said, I was in hot pursuit. Deanna had no idea I was on the planet, but I had her number. And I aggressively and intentionally put myself in her way. I went out of my way to get in her way so that she would see me. And I, I began to say, hey, I, you know, hey, would you like to go out after church for going to McDonald's? Would you like to hang out with us? And she'd go, well, i got to get up early and I've got to da 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 And she'd blow me off in a nice Christian way. But she would just say, no, I, I've got to work in the morning. And I just kept asking. I just kept asking over and over and over again. And then... I, 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 I decided that I was going to change tactics. Not that I was going to quit or give up. I was just going to change tactics. And so I drafted a letter explaining to her, how can we be friends if we don't spend time together? And all I want to be is your friend. Yes, I was lying. (laughs) Somehow I justified it back then. And so she finally said yes to coming over 
to our house for dinner. And I knew my mom was going to win her over with a roast beef that, man, we ate good on Sunday. And so during that week, I wrote her a song. And no, I'm not singing it for you because it's her song. And I wrote her a song. And so after supper, I kind of picked up the guitar. I began to sing. And I, I don't know, we sang a couple of things together. And then I said, hey, I want you to listen to something. I, I sang this song. Her heart melted. But she still wouldn't go on a date with me. So I said to her, I said, let's go out on a date. And she was very resistant, reluctant to that. Mainly because she knew if she went on a date with me, she'd fall in love and marry me. But uh, she was very resistant at that time. And so finally, after invitation after invitation and turn down after turn down, I was still in hot pursuit. And she said yes to going out on a date as friends, David, as friends, we're going to go out. I said, perfect. So I cleaned up my dad's car. That's a whole story within itself. He smoked like a freight train and his car was his ashtray. But my truck was worse because he had had that for 10 years and then gave it to me. And so I, I spent all day cleaning that car up so that it didn't smell like an ashtray, spraying, you know, Febreze and Lysol and cleaning. And then I went down to Kroger and I got me two roses and a pack of gum. And so I got and picked her up and I said, walk to the door because that's what a good man will do. If a man won't come to the door to get your daughter, don't you dare let him go. I don't care what century you think we're living in. Know what that hairy dude looks like so that you can give the police a report. <laughs> she got in the car. She sat down. I said, hey, there's a pack of gum behind me on my seat. Would you reach back there and get it? And she reached down there and grabbed that rose. Yes, I'm romantic. I said, I'm sorry. It must be on the other side. She reached on the other side. There was another rose. We went out on that day. I took her to Calhoun's. I worked a month to pay for that dinner. Yes. A month of my income went to that one dinner. We sat there and we went home that night. We had talked and I took her up to the door. And she was at the top of the steps and I was looking up at her. And I leaned up to kiss her and she went. <laughs> I was in hot pursuit. And then I think after we got married, schedules happen and life happens. Danielle came along. The pastorate, job changes, houses. And now all of a sudden, if you're not careful in your marriage, you don't have date night anymore. And you're not in that hot pursuit. And the next thing you know, if you're not careful, you're two strangers living in the same house. And I was thinking about this because one of the things that Dan and I have always tried to do, and it's been very difficult at times, is to maintain a date night. Whether it's us just sitting in the house, but it's intentional, us spending time together, blocking out everybody else and us just being together. Why? Because I'm still in hot pursuit 33 years later. And I'm going to be in hot pursuit until I don't exist anymore. And my question to you, that's just children's church, it's okay. And my question to you is somewhere in our relationship with God when we came in, it was just like that. 
We were in hot pursuit. Man, we were reading our Bible. We were praying. We were on every, we were at every service. We were early at church. You couldn't, you couldn't keep us away from church. You couldn't keep us away from the activity. And somewhere in our relationship with God, we've grown comfortable and we're just like the church of Ephesus. And God is saying to us today, fall in love with me all over again. Go back and start doing what you were doing. You want to fix your marriage? Start doing what you did to win her, to keep her. Start doing what you did in the beginning days when you would say, oh, you hang up. No, no, no. You hang up. Hey, baby, no, no. I love you. No, no, you hang up. All right, bye, bye, bye. Now you now you pick up the phone. You go, yeah, yeah. We. <laughs> she's about to remove your lampstand. <laughs> you better answer the phone better than that, right? Go back and do what you were doing. Not only will restore your marriage, but look at the picture. Is it'll restore our relationship with the Lord and bring it back into the place that it's supposed to be in the first place. This has nothing to do with the sermon series that I'm preaching, but it has everything to do with where we're at as a church. And God is calling us to go back and start doing those things that we used to do that used to bring an excitement and an energy into our relationship with the Lord. I'd come and I'd say to my pastor, look, I've read the New Testament four times this week and I'd start asking him questions. Now I go over to people's houses and while they're in there getting me something to drink, I reach down on the coffee table and slide their Bible over to see the dust ring around it. Y'all going to dust before I come over to eat now, aren't you? I told you my secret. But I thought about that as I began to think about in my relationship with God. I used to fall asleep reading my Bible. And then I'd wake up reading my Bible. I'd pray on the way to school. I would pray during school. I would skip my lunch break and go in the parking lot and sit in my truck and pray that God would use me to win my school to Jesus. We need to start doing what we did when we first fell in love with Jesus. Oh, we used to sing that old song. I keep falling in love with him over and over again. Over and over again, I keep falling in love with him. Over and over and over and over again, he gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what a love between my Lord and I. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. Indiana may be the only person that knows that song. Fall in love with him. Again. And again. Take a moment right now in this presence and think back to the things that you did when you first got saved. Think back. Take a moment to think back. What did you do? How did you worship? 
What was your excitement level? What was your faith level? What was your anticipation for what God was going to do in the service? I was so excited to go to a Pentecostal church. I was so excited to come to church because you just never knew what was going to take place. Then, then, especially as a new Christian, I would see stuff in church and then I'd go home and try to find that in the Bible. Like, ooh, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. What in the world was she doing? Let's see if I can find that in there. Oh yeah, there it is. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout out to God with a voice of triumph. That's what that shout was. Okay, I get it. Right here, Scripture tells me to do it. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about spiritual disciplines. Eventually. But I think one of the beginning stages of seeing our life grow in God is by deepening our walk with Him. And I think somewhere, if we're not careful, we grow cold in our walk and our relationship with God. And we need to fire it back up again. Hello? I believe the Holy Spirit's asking me and you to fire it back up again. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever said these words? I say this a lot. I mean, and part of it's I've lived a long time. I've lived longer than some of you, and I've been in the ministry so longer than some of you guys have been alive, and that's okay. But if we're not careful, we'll talk about, you know, back in the day, this is what God used to do. And that's wonderful. That's it's it's not wrong to do that and celebrate what God did. You know, and in my life, I've seen some incredible things. I mean, absolutely incredible things in the presence of the power of God. I was telling somebody before service, there was, I was preaching in Gallatin, Tennessee. I was on the evangelistic field at the time, and this guy came forward, and I prayed for him. And, um, you know, sometimes when you're praying for people, you feel the excitement. You feel a tug on the anointing of God. Uh, you know, you feel what they're fe- feeling, and sometimes you lay hands on them, and, you know, you're just... You know, engaging your faith and you're just trusting that God's going to honor his word. And I never forget praying for this guy and remembering that, uh, I mean, he's kind of stood there like this and looked at me. So I just looked at him. I said, okay, this is how we're going to do this. You know, <laughs> it's kind of awkward. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him like, okay, touch it, boy. You know? <laughs> and I just kind of went on to the next person. I didn't think much about it. And I just thought, well, you know, I didn't feel a lot. Two nights later, he came and he said, Brother David, I got I to tell you something. I got to tell you something. He said, when I came the first time to pray for you, I'd just been told that I had lung cancer. He said, you pray for me. I felt the power of God touch me. So I went back and had them rerun all of the scans. I told my doctor I had to rerun all the scans because God had healed me. And the doctor thought I was crazy. So he ran all the scans because he thought I was crazy and ran a few extra ones that had nothing to do with lung cancer. <laughs> And he says, so I've proven that I'm not crazy and that I don't have lung cancer anymore. So in two days time, God healed that man of lung cancer. Now, I didn't necessarily feel anything. But what I do know is that that God moved and God touched. But here's what I want to say. As wonderful as that was, that was 20 something years ago. As great a faith story it is, that happened 20-something years ago. My question is, what happened yesterday? 
What has God done today? What is our faith stories going to be tomorrow unless we engage in the spirit of God now? What are we leaving for the next generation if we will not seek God right now while we have the moment? What kind of baton are we going to hand off? What type of church is this old man going to hand off one day if we don't seek God and fall in love with him more today now than we've ever been before and seek God for revival like we have never sought before so that we can see the glory of God in the here and now, not reciting stories of yesteryear. God wants to move now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. He doesn't change. I've often told this story. I'll never forget. I was in the store and I got away from my mom. I don't know. I got distracted. And my mom was super duper careful. She wasn't a helicopter mom. She's more like a cannonball mom. I don't know. Another sermon series. But because she was deaf, she just was always in a heightened state. And because I was a rambunctious, spooled, uh, highly nurtured young man. I'll never forget that she told me the story that I got lost in a store. Now, when I got lost, it's a panic because it's not like you can just go up to the guy and call your mom over the intercom. Right. And so I got lost and. My mom was trying to teach me a very valuable lesson. And so she was walking down that. So I'd look down the aisle, but she was right behind me on the other end. So I'd go down the aisle and she was just following me. She knew where I was the entire time. Yet I got in a panic and she waited. Yes. Until I started bawling and squalling. Because I thought I'm never going to find my mom. I'm going to have to live at Kroger. (laughs) I'm going to the deli. (laughs) And then my mom came in and my mom told me I was little. My mom said that I yelled at her. Where were you? In sign language. But it's still yelling. Trust me. Where were you? She explained to me that I was with you the whole time. You were the one that lost. You're the one that walked away. I believe the Lord, we're saying, Lord, where are you? We need you to move here. We need you to show up. And the Lord's saying, I've been here all the time. I've not gone anywhere. I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. I've always been with you. I'm here right now. You're the one that's walked away. You're